Hi, listeners. We want to thank you for tuning in and let you know that there is a trigger warning for this episode since sensitive topics surrounding pregnancies are mentioned. If you feel that this may affect you, feel free to stop listening to this episode and listen to one of our many others. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. So, Madeline... I'm so excited that we're getting to talk about this movie today. I think it's a really important topic, and it's a fantastic film anyway that I don't think a lot of people know about, so I'm glad we get to bring it to the people. But um, anyway, what's what's going on? What have you been watching? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for the holidays, even though it's going to be different this year. I just got home this weekend, so excited to watch movies with my family, like I mentioned in the last episode. Um, and actually, I've watched three films with my family so far. One of them was a documentary called Baby God, uh, and it's on HBO. And it's about this doctor, I believe it was in the 60s, and he is a fertility doctor. And he inseminated the woman and mm. almost I think there's like a hundred of these kids who all like ended up doing like Ancestry.com or 23andMe and found that this man is their real father. And no. Talk to their moms. They're like, uh, that was my fertility. He had, he had children that like, you know, actually knew him and they talked to them and stuff like that. And it's basically this whole mess and how he thought he was like, being righteous for science and stuff like that so that was that was really messed up um i'm also recently loving oddly enough like murder documentaries so finished murder on middle beach which is on hbo as well my hbo upgraded to hbo max this month for some reason and i'm not complaining i love it (laughs) so so i've been enjoying that and i watched it's a four-part series about a woman who was murdered and her son is a filmmaker and he made this documentary where he tries to figure out who murdered his mom wow and that just just came out and like it literally the last episode ends and like it's updates from this past october so and and it's it's pretty interesting the whole show like they're not wearing masks or anything but then the last episode like they're wearing masks and stuff so it's it's just kind of interesting so wild yeah and i also watched the shawshank redemption which i hadn't Mm. seen and oh my gosh it was so good it's a classic it was so good and i can't believe i hadn't seen it and i'm from maine and it takes place in maine because it's a stephen king novel and i i loved it oh my gosh it was a really good one it was really really great and then last night I watched Bad Education with <gasps> Allison Janney. Oh, stop. I've been wanting to see that. And, and Hugh Jackman made for HBO. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, really like that. And maybe maybe we can discuss it on the podcast sometime soon. Yes, I think that might be a, a good one. Hmm, we'll see if the people like it. Anyways, that's what I've been watching. What have you watched recently? Well, I... I have still been watching Christmas movies because it's literally my favorite thing to do. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, but I saw this really random Danny Kay movie that was on FX movies the other day. Mm-hmm. I think it's called like On the Riviera or something. 
and I, I had never heard of it before. And I love Danny Kaye. Like I'm such a huge fan of, of old movie musicals. And mm. it was this movie that he, he was this actor, but he, he played both an actor and this like really kind of like old rich businessman on the Riviera <laughs> But they, you know, played it off in the movie like they were just two gentlemen who who looked a lot like each other. And they had... Oh, I love that. And they had to pull some kind of a, a stunt and had the actor version of Danny Kaye impersonate the of Danny Kaye. And uh, Jean Tierney was the director's wife. And she had the most gorgeous costumes in the world. I, I remember oh. I looked up the costume designers and... I can't remember who they are now, but it was a, a team of men. And I was really surprised oh. because usually like all of the good old movie musicals were all, all the costume design was by Edith Head, but, right, right. but it wasn't her. And I, I could have sworn it was because these gowns, Madeline, when I tell you these gowns, Jean Tierney wore this robe at one point, she rolled out of bed and put this robe on and it looked like a gown. It was stunning some of the scenes were a little oh. like like some of the musical numbers were a little weird a little quirky um mm-hmm. but it was all very very Danny Kay. um and he was fantastic as always so that was one like fun random thing I watched oh my gosh I watched the Go-Go's documentary I don't know if you're a fan oh. of the Go-Go's um but I love myself a good girl band and Mm -hmm. having an older mom my mom was around like when they were popular and she she was kind of like a a low-key rock and roll girl like she she wasn't like on the punk scene like the go-go's were initially but like she she listened to rock music she blew the speakers out of her car because she would listen to her music so loud um so I grew up listening to the go-go's and I was uh, a really big fan of theirs so they have a documentary now with all of the girls and their first manager who uh was a woman which was crazy um oh. for back in the day yeah and that was absolutely riveting like I was I was arrested to my television set it's fantastic 12 out of 10 recommend that one I love them. I realized I also watched On the Rocks. <gasps> I still haven't seen that. I feel like oh. such a fake fan. I gotta be honest. I was really disappointed. I was. Oh, no. I No. Yeah, Madeline, no. <laughs> I had wanted to see it at the New York Film Festival. This I, I wanted to go to the premiere of it at the festival. And it was on a Tuesday which was really random. It just didn't work out because it was a drive-in this year. So like being able to drive there on a Tuesday just wasn't going to work. But I'm like honestly not disappointed now that like I didn't get to see it there because I just, I don't know. It was very much like growing up, coming home from church on a Sunday and like having homework to do. Like my family, like we'd put on a movie or something Mm -hmm. and they were never like it was never like a good movie it was just like oh this is like on red box or like you know right. something like that and this just very much like i literally finished it and i was like that was a sunday movie like that was the oh. kind of movie that like i would just put on like 
it had this very like Netflix style to it. I don't even know how to like explain that. But mm. also this was kind of made in partnership with Apple TV. Like once I don't think it was made with Apple TV, but after like the pandemic and they knew that it wasn't going to be able to have a theatrical release, it was for Apple TV. And I don't know if that's Apple TV style, but I don't know. It just it didn't really do anything for me. And unfortunately, Bill Murray's character is, like, this stereotypical white man who, like, constantly oh. makes jokes to, like, uh, Rashida Jones, who plays his daughter, about, like, oh, like, they think you're my girlfriend or, like, oh, women are only good for this and stuff like that. And it's very realistic in this, like, sense. And it's kind of funny. But I just, like, don't really care to see that. Like, I don't know. I just feel like better right. stories out there anyways i won't get too much into it um maybe we can review it sometime because I, I poor sophia i love right her. um although i did listen to another podcast with her um armchair expert with dax shepherd if you haven't to it's yes. so good and she was on his podcast and she was saying how she's making this um it's a period piece series based on um, a couple different articles, and it takes place during, like, the Rockefeller time in um, – Oh. And she said, like, she's very – it's going to, like, talk a lot about the parties that happened during then and stuff like that. So I wasn't really thrilled about this film, but I'm excited to see what she's going to do next because it sounds pretty promising. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be in that, but I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. I had no idea. So thank yeah. you. I'm so yeah. excited. I'm not now. sure when that's going to be coming out, but sounds sounds like it'll be pretty good. I love it. Okay. So are we ready to dive in to our movie for today? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Absolutely. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film. It's directed and written by Eliza Hittman. And the director of photography is Helene Louvart. Uh, she's a French cinematographer. And I apologize if I butchered her name. I took four years of Spanish and not French. <laughs> no, I think you did pretty good. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and it's starring Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder. Oh, my gosh. I was absolutely blown away by their performances. Um I wish this film were released on a bigger platform and or was a contender with the Academy because I, I want to give these two, well, honestly, these four women, I want to give them every award that ever existed. I, maybe I will buy them trophies and like have them personalized as like, you know, best women in film ever and, and send it to them because this is, again, a really arresting piece. I think one of the most powerful things about their performance is how subtle and, like, quiet they are. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to my mom and my sister about the film because they haven't seen it, nor had I think they – I don't think they had even heard of it because, honestly – I hadn't heard too much about it. And I, unfortunately, I think that's kind of what's going on right now with films is that they're not getting theatrical releases. So there's really not many trailers, except when there are trailers, it's like, you know, available on demand or something like it's becoming an interesting thing because at least growing up, I feel like you always saw trailers when watching TV, but now 
don't really mm-hmm. watch as much cable anymore. At least I don't. Like, I don't have cable. I, the only time I watch cable, honestly, is to watch SNL every week. <laughs> right. And um, I think now trailers more so, I hear about them from people posting them because I follow a lot of people interested in films. Right. Same. But I often think, I'm like, if I wasn't following Vanity Fair or New York Times, and I don't think I know so much about like about what's coming out and maybe that's that that's fine maybe people who aren't following them it's for a reason they don't really care to hear about it all the time but we're not hearing so much about what's coming out and especially smaller films like this it makes me sad I don't know how funding is happening or how these productions are making their money back but I guess that's logistics that I don't really need to need to worry about so much but it's interesting to think about how this is going to affect the industry in the future i think it's opened up a lot of doors for production companies and uh streaming services to realize like oh um you know they could be released on here rather than having a whole theatrical release and stuff like that but yes um it also makes me think a lot about how wonder Woman, the new wonder woman and dune have now been sold to hbo max I am fascinated by this new platform of all of these movies that are getting theatrical releases also being released on HBO Max the same day. It's It's... kind of wild. I never in my wildest dreams watching films would come to this. But I guess it goes to show how the industry has really pivoted during this year from the nether worlds <laughs> no absolutely i could see a film like this i think it worked really well i don't think this is like a a movie that i would need to see in theaters would mm-hmm. i have liked to absolutely but i feel like such a spectacle sort of film kind of needs that big like surround sound right and 3d maybe you know something like right. that so it'll be interesting how that changes things but Anyways, um, completely off topic. So I was talking to my mom and my sister about this and I was just saying how I think it worked so well with uh, Sydney Flanagan's character who plays Autumn, how she really didn't have a ton of dialogue. I and- loved that. I am a huge proponent of show don't tell in film mm-hmm. and if someone is teaching like a show don't tell theory or principle in film school, I think this is a must watch. I agree. I think it worked really well because a lot of times I feel like in some films you see a scene where a character is talking to somebody and it just feels like, would they have had this conversation? Did that really make sense for the mm-hmm. characters? Because obviously we're both of us are actors. Um, I think a lot of times we kind of question naturally, you know, what was the character's motive? Why right. were they talking to this character? What what did that give them? You know, why did that person go to that other person's house to, you know, deliver something? Or, I don't know, it makes you question those sort of things. I, I didn't feel like there were moments where they gave Autumn, like, this monologue or Never. this discussion with another character. And there wasn't any, like, dialogue that felt unnatural to her. I think that takes a lot of strength and understanding from the uh 
the writer and director because you don't need the character like you were saying you don't need the character to tell everything and um i felt like we understood her character more because she was so quiet and she was reserved i agree and that explained so much more to me than any dialogue ever could i think I was able to understand more of where she was coming from, what kind of person she was. There was no fluff. It was just straight life. Yeah, and I think in contrast to the last two films that we've discussed on here, uh, Booksmart and Phantom Thread, Booksmart was so... It's a comedy. So Mm -hmm. there are those moments that are exaggerated and a little bit over the top, but still based in realism where you're like, oh my gosh, I've experienced that, but this is like to another level. And then Phantom Thread is like dark, but so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Where this made me question like, is this a documentary? Like, am I watching the wrong film? I don't know, unfortunately, too much about Eliza Hittman, but feels like it just hits really close to home for her and that this is a really personal story. And I appreciate that so much because this is a delicate topic it's not easy it's i mean it's about a 17 year old girl who is pregnant and has to decide what she wants to do with the baby it's not easy no and not at all it's a really i'm really glad that um first of all it's written and directed by a female it's a story that could be really educational in a lot of ways oh my gosh. Ten thousand million percent this movie taught me more about what goes on in my body and what like mm-hmm. real life procedures look like than any sex education i have ever gotten so honestly i say show this to show this not only in film school show this to middle schoolers who are like maybe not like super young middle schoolers, I don't know, maybe like eighth graders at least, (laughs) to like show them what life looks like and show them what your options are when things like this happen. I mean, stealing from your grocery store that you work at, maybe not the the best idea in terms of morals, but showing you that there are more options outside of your small town and and showing you like the, the thought process of of a young girl when something like this does happen and maybe then people could be more supportive if something like this happens to their friend or their cousin absolutely and I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about the film is that it doesn't stray away from the moments that aren't pretty Mm -hmm. I think be raw and shows a lot of those emotions quietly without forcing it and I think that's what makes it seem almost like a documentary and I know that it is made for a film so maybe it is a little biased in some ways um and obviously it's only showing one perspective in its autumn story it's not a bunch of you know you're not really hearing others necessarily but I agree I think it's something that a lot of people should see because it does give you a different view and at the beginning I love the way it starts because you see Autumn 
literally performing in her school talent show and it's with a bunch of teens and people doing like Elvis impressions. <laughs> he's, she's wearing like a grease jacket sort of thing and it starts off, you see Autumn as this young kid and you recognize who she is and what you, maybe you don't recognize necessarily at first what she's going through, but when things start to unravel, you see at the base that she's still just a kid. And at one point she pierces her nose. And at that point I was like, she is an experimental teen right. and she's still finding herself. And I think she's, she's kind of weird in some ways and she's quirky and she doesn't know necessarily the right things to say. And she's kind of quiet. And we also see that in her cousin, um, Skylar, who is played by Talia Ryder, it works so well. And there's also this feeling of like this small town, don't really know like what to do. Uh, they both work at the local grocery store. It's showing how simple this town is and how simple their life is supposed to be. And, you know, Autumn's singing a song about like wanting to find love. And, you know, it's it's very wholesome, cute, basic teenagery life and then it's kind of right. like you know everything hits the fan and you see um their manager at the grocery store like when they give him the money at the end of the night of like from the registers he kisses their hand which is just creepy icky. i hate icky men and it happens, and then you see that he does it to both of them, which is so weird, and I just hate it, and it's uncomfortable and gross, but it's it's never discussed, which I kind of loved, because it didn't need to be. We all know what's going on. We all know that that is a reality in some workplaces, which is awful and gross and disgusting, but it's real, and, and, and those sort of things happen and unfortunately go unsaid and not talked about and it's almost this like you're experiencing what I'm experiencing yeah and I think that was really truthful to mm -hmm. this sort of like quiet dealing with what goes on that a lot of women experience and oh definitely I, is that a huge plot point no but I mean later like you mentioned we see them stealing that money which Honestly, like, is that a great thing to do? No. But then you see the man that they usually give the money to, and I didn't love him either. No, so. it, he, like, he kind of deserves it, especially when Skylar learns that Autumn is pregnant because she's, like, puking in the bathroom after she also, yeah. like, overdosed on vitamin C, and the uh -huh. poor girl is doing any kind of home remedy to try to fix what's happening in her and and make her pregnancy not real mm -hmm. uh skylar asks to take autumn home she's like she's sick I, we have to go now i need to take her home and the boss is like well you got like two more hours can't you just yeah stay for two more hours like what's that really gonna do to her like this man does not care about these two young girls as it may seem you know while he's like kissing their hand you might think like oh maybe that's because they do have like 
a deep bond or he he is a fatherly figure to them no he he just likes them for being young females um you know just for their bodies which is basically what i we see men think of women as solely just like objects for their satisfaction and their pleasure when in reality all of the burden of their decision making falls on us falls on the women and we get to see how how that looks like for a young girl to process these like really messed up like a adult situations once autumn finds that she's pregnant she goes to this place to help with her pregnancy and find options for herself and yeah the local women's clinic i i don't know if you see them in your hometown but i know Mm -hmm. like um where i grew up in uh northwest indiana suburbs of chicago i could you know name a couple of those places off to you and you know they usually are run by religious institutions they may not be like out front mm-hmm. saying that but there's this notion behind it that like oh you know we're like christianly women here to help you with your pregnancy and make the right decision for you which mm-hmm. is also not telling you all the options that are available to you right right and autumn runs into that when she does find out that she's pregnant and it's interesting because she takes the pregnancy test and she says to the lady she's like is this just a like basically like a drugstore test Uh, yeah things special it's not like this place is necessarily like a facility doesn't seem like run by a bunch of doctors or nurses i don't right they're just like cute little old ladies yeah and the lady's like well let us show you a video let let us show you a video and it was it was kind of funny because those ladies they, they really had a good performance like i was like yeah i i recognize them like yeah these older women want to help autumn which is nice, but they also, they're biased and they want to, you know, tell her about her options, but obviously the options that they support. And Mm -hmm. Autumn finds for herself that that place really isn't going to help her. And the best way for her to um, terminate the pregnancy is, especially at her age, because she's 17, is to go to New York, which she's in central Pennsylvania uh, so that's going to be a little, I mean, she's relatively close, but it is going to be a little bit of a trek. Especially for a 17 year old. I don't think she has a license or anything. Uh, so she takes a bus with her cousin Skylar to New York and they go to a Planned Parenthood, I believe it is. Yes. There. Yeah. All they have, literally, they, they do the research to get the bus tickets online they they transfer buses only because you know they they think they have to because everyone's doing it they're never doing anything out of knowledge they're doing it out of 
following the crowd or you know just taking in signs they they literally have no idea what they're doing and I'm I'm sitting here watching and I'm like scared for their lives because like not that I don't think women can like go out and do what they want but people like to take advantage of young women and we do see that later in the film with some like creepy men we run into along the way but they literally all they have is the address of this one planned parenthood that i believe was in brooklyn yeah it was and they, they they finally arrive in manhattan and they walk up to the first booth they see and they say how do i get to this address i mean Madeline the two of us living in New York we know that you don't do that you'll say like oh which way to the corner of 7th and 41st you know you're not nobody's telling each other like direct addresses right about the the traveling part they're really just doing this out of necessity because at this point they really don't have any other choice and there's one moment where uh I believe Autumn wakes up Skylar and they're like, do we transfer here? Do we, do we get off here? And they don't even know because they have very limited resources. Right. Doing what they can to get there on time. They have extreme limited funding. So they arrive in Brooklyn, but unfortunately the lady's like, we need to test if you're pregnant before we do anything and autumn's like well i was just tested and she's like i i'm so sorry but you need to be tested here before you know we we do any procedures but which makes sense that's, makes that's sense. understandable Absolutely. they have they need it for their own records i mean yeah. why are we going to trust some christian woman in allensboro pennsylvania exactly you know? and, and it wasn't a like a very good test it seems so she ends up saying that they can't do it there at that time, but that she'll need to go to the Manhattan location. So they go there. And once they're at the Manhattan location, the lady's like, it, it's it's not a one-day procedure. You can't just have this done. We need to, um, I believe it, they need to dilate her in order to have the procedure, which is going to take a day. Mm-hmm. So then... They run into this issue where, I mean, it doesn't seem like Autumn's family really cares, nor does Skylar's where they are. No, like, there's no phone call from mom. There's no, like, there's not even moments of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm panicked. I keep denying all these calls from my mom. Like, where does she think I am? Nothing. Nothing. No. And, and I, in a way, there's one call where I think she says something like, oh, I'm, I'm sleeping over at Skylar's. Um something like that so it does Mm -hmm. give you like that realistic sense of like well doesn't her mom care where she is but i don't think her parents really care what's going on they just wanted that quick especially not her dad no that man was just drunk and mean to her the whole time which is honestly probably why she's singing songs about love and and started having sex at 14 because she's like desperate for for this love and affection Mm -hmm. and and genuine attention from uh, someone who is a male which is sad and like I hate that but you know what it's like 
like a, a basic like psychological necessity of life and you know what I guess we just chop that up to daddy issues yeah and I really we find out a little bit more when she talks to one of the doctors at the clinic the lady is asking her questions which when I was watching it though I'm guilty when I'm watching a movie I'm so like wait when does the title come in when am I gonna figure out what this like what the <laughs> I know means? right and and you do pretty much dead in the middle of it where the doctor's asking her, um, you know, how often do you experience this? How many partners do you have? And all those questions that, you oh know, gosh, are important. That, this sequence with, like, I don't know if she was a doctor, if she was, like, a counselor yeah. at Parenthood or something who was asking her questions about, like, her medical history, but mm-hmm. then also her her relational history and just, like, the the state of her relationships where she's given the multiple choice answers of never, rarely, sometimes, always. And it's these really tough questions that you really don't want to think about and certainly don't want to answer to a stranger, especially when you're 17 about like, is your partner manipulating your birth control, trying Mm -hmm. to get you pregnant or has your partner ever hit you slapped you been physically abusive to you and finally autumn is like why are you asking me these questions i mean my my heart was in my stomach at this point and it's all shot in this like one long take close-up on autumn's face with her reactions and her eyes are darting all over the place and she's coughing so like props to sydney flanagan that was um absolutely gut-wrenching performance because I I don't know anyone who wants to answer those questions and the fact that a lot of the answers that she gave were not good ones right um were not safe ones Mm -hmm. is so sad I mean I, I literally just got the chills thinking about it it's so sad and so crazy but it is truly the reality for so many women and we're like conditioned into thinking that we have to be subordinate to our partners or that this is just how men behave you know like the whole boys will be boys kind of sitch and we we expect men to be like powerful or 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 mean to us um when we're in these heterosexual relationships and oh i i I literally can only make noises now <laughs> thinking about this. It's, it's take it away, Madeline. I don't know. You, you touch on a really good point because unfortunately, a lot of the time I was like, who's the father? Like what? But also as a viewer, I didn't want to see that. I didn't, it's not his story. And mm-hmm. this is very much about her experience and the choices she's making for herself and for her own body and for her future and I don't know, Hope, what sense you might have gotten, but with her stepfather, I I almost wondered if he was the father. I I kind of did too. I I don't I don't know. I I really I'm honestly not gonna lie. I haven't like 
looked into never rarely sometimes always explained videos like I haven't looked into any of those because no honestly I don't want to because because I I love the ambiguity exactly me too I loved how we don't know and it's not that's not the point of the story you know it's not like oh we have to Mm -hmm. figure out like who the dad is like it's no no exactly that would be so that would be so patronizing and would completely destroy anything that they had built up about this girl and what she identifies herself as and with um and i yeah, think it, it would have been so wrong i really got a strong sense of autumn just feeling alone and that she really didn't have many people to talk to about this no. i don't think her family would have been supportive she no. talked her cousin Skylar knows what's going on obviously she's on this trip with her but she doesn't talk to her about x y and z and it's not yeah they never talk about it it's just like this silent sisterhood Mm -hmm. understanding yeah she's like okay you you tell me what you want to do and we're going to do it and we're doing it together right and that's the end of that we don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about and Autumn really doesn't want to talk because I don't I don't know if she can process it all herself. And I think talking about it is just going to make it even more painful or hard to understand. Like this, however she she did become pregnant, it mm-hmm. was some kind of really traumatic experience and not something that she ever wants to think about again, nor should she have to. And I love that nobody is making her because I feel like mm-hmm. movies like this can turn into such kind of dramatic sequences of like but but why did you do this or what happened or like let's do this like vigilante justice against the person who did this to you or yada 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 but this is just okay this has happened to you that's okay we're accepting it we're going to change it right we're going to give you the life you want and we're all going to move on. It's I, not a defining moment in her life. The boy on the bus. You know what? Let's talk about the boy on the bus. Because I I don't know how to unpack my feelings about him. So yeah. I feel like chatting about it with someone <laughs> will help me understand. Because there is also this like small weird part of me in the back of my brain that I'm st- after watching the whole movie. Like, oh, you know, he's kind of cute. I feel like I've met someone like him in New York before he seemed like the type of person I would hang out with yeah yeah Uh, I thought the same thing too at first okay okay so I don't feel crazy thank you no no I thought the same thing I was like oh like he seems nice and like oh my gosh you're like meeting this guy on the bus it's kind of cute but a little romantic kind of quirky right and then you're like oh because he keeps annoying them about like, hey, we have like, you should come to this party. You should really come to this. It's you like live very- music, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, you should come to this. You should come to this. And she's like, no, we really can't. No, I'm sorry. Like, we we really can't. And oh, yeah, he he really get off. He likes Skylar, and he ends up. He ends up giving them money to return home because they ha- they 
now they've stayed an extra day that they weren't expecting to. Barely were able to make it there. On money that right. was not theirs right. to begin with. So now they're figuring out a way to get there. It's so unfortunate because I think he definitely mm. takes advantage of them. And he knows that he gave them money. It's, it's not really ever explicitly mm-hmm. said or, or shown. Skylar leaves Autumn alone and goes away with busboy to look for an ATM quote unquote but then Autumn kind of starts wandering around the the station to find them on the opposite side of this pillar which is so brilliantly shot loved the idea Um, I'm assuming this was Mm -hmm. on Eliza so props to you Eliza but sees Skylar and and busboy like kind of making out and somehow they have the money they need and they're like okay well thanks bye and he's like oh don't worry i'll i'll text you like we'll see you later and i'm like was this it's just very odd to in comparison to what autumn is going through especially being left by your cousin to go do right something with this bus boy considering like the state uh-huh. that she's in i would love to sit down and chat with eliza about this scene and about why she wrote this in i mean i i feel that i know why she wrote it in but i would like to know what her intent yeah. was from the beginning if she wanted to like show that you know this cycle still goes on of of these men still preying on young girls i don't want to say he was praying though either like he he was but i don't well, know if he thought he was i don't know if he realized exactly. how young I, they were Life i think is there's a line man. where he says something like oh you're i don't know i think i think he did think that they were older mm-hmm. i don't know if he knows exactly what he's doing which i think is interesting commentary on this idea of men not even understanding that they're overstepping a boundary or hey that's really not okay or you're kind of taking advantage of me because you know that we need you in this moment and since they need him they're not gonna say no because at this point he is their lifeline to get back like they don't have a they don't have a job in new york they're not literally suddenly make money he really is their lifeline at this point which is unfortunate. It shows that sort of, that cycle that you were talking about where they keep running into these situations where they need this guy's help or they, which I think makes me love their journey even more is that they did this together and they were there to support each other. And I think for them, it wasn't, it was logistically hard. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary, and it's they knew that this is what they needed to do. It's a weird turn of events and weird circumstance thing, but again, I think it, it points to this neorealism that Eliza Hitman created in, in the writing and in the directing, and then it gets even realer by showing Autumn like on 
the tape show it for long but just being able to see into that room that's not a situation that a ton of people are in let alone are are willing to talk about and Mm -hmm. to show Mm -hmm. so it's really crazy and then suddenly they they've got the money they got what they came for and they're back on the bus after this weird two-day stint in New York City and I love the final shot of this film because we we do see a lot of Autumn and Skylar on Mm -hmm. the bus traveling and seeing them like looking out the window and looking at each other and and all that stuff but but the the last shot is of Autumn looking out the window of the bus and it's it's really dark and that's beautifully highlighted by the the cinematography and how the film is shot on film itself with that like right gritty grainy like bleakness and and the the screen is is just so gray mm-hmm. and grainy but then suddenly it's like they the bus came out of a tunnel and suddenly autumn's face is, is flooded with this mm. sunlight as she's looking out the window and then it it cut it cuts to black and i love that because i feel like it really tied the film up on a note that again like we said this was not the defining moment of her life she has bright mm-hmm. days ahead of her still and this was not the end for her. This did not have to be an end. It's a new beginning. And it was a choice that she made that she got to do on her own with the help of someone who loves and supports her. And she's looking ahead to her bright future because again, she's 17. And now suddenly this this bleak world is behind her and there's this image of these bright days ahead of her maybe maybe these are bright days full of better partners and finally finding that real love that she was singing about in the beginning or maybe just get like getting out of the grocery store and and going to college and getting out of the small town because she's seen the big city I don't know the, mm-hmm. the possibilities are are endless for autumn and I love that we didn't get any kind of prescriptive ending but just the notion of sunlight it's very subtle and I think that's what makes it work so well is that it's not this hooray moment I don't think she's like oh my gosh everything in the world is now solved now right there was no like song and dance montage or anything like yes I had (laughs) my life is great because she still has like She's still kind of somber and, you know, like, obviously oh, absolutely. in pain. It's a surgical procedure. But it's the world exactly. that, like, and it's, shines it's back in on her past, her. but it will be something that she's always going to live with. It's it's not a easy decision. And I think no. it sort of has this melancholy feel that I think it really captured well. Moving forward, but also wow, that just happened. You know, what she's been worrying about, toiling over, mm-hmm. um, is is done. And she 
has been really quiet about it. And right. it seems like that's how she's sort of dealt with the whole the whole thing. She always kind of dealt with it all <laughs> on her own and she had Skylar's help. But at the end of the day, this has been her journey. And I think it just kind of puts this nice button on the end of it. No matter what end of the spectrum you're on, on the topic of abortion, I think this is a really great outlet to see what one person's story could look like or what the circumstances but especially for people who are Mm -hmm. are anti-abortion um to see what this girl's life looked like before and after and maybe to see into her thought process and not think like oh well she she just wants to be a baby killer and she wants she it's her goal to like murder this baby um it's it's not it's not easy mm-hmm. uh, a harrowing journey to get there and to get what she felt like she needed if people watched this there would be a greater sense of empathy for mm-hmm. Honestly, right. women in general. This is obviously a topic that I think we're both really passionate about. Giving women the rights for their own body. It's extremely relevant. It's something that we're dealing with right now, especially in the Supreme Court with certain decisions happening. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's this constant back and forth. But I think films like this, I'm really glad that they were made. Is it beautiful no not necessarily I didn't watch it and was like oh my you know it's it's not like yeah you weren't like oh the right the the colors the cinematography but it's it has the again I mean Eliza Hitman rightfully won the special Mm -hmm. jury award at Sundance for neorealism because it just it it felt real it looked real I think so many times I ask myself as an artist you know when creating art why this story and why now and I think you could come up with a million Mm -hmm. reasons for this to be created and I'm really interested to see what response it gets from um, whatever award show things are going to be happening this year there's been a lot of discussion on what's going to be qualifying, what's going to be going on in terms of all of that. But at the end of the day, I really hope that this film doesn't need those sort of things to gain traction. I think it's special in its own ways and has a lot of interesting topics and definitely could build for a lot of discussion as you and I have seen right now discussing it. I think literally that literally people should watch. It's definitely a very pressing topic and issue. And if any of our listeners are looking to get more information, Planned Parenthood has a wonderful website where users can chat right there um, at plannedparenthood.org slash chat, or you can text PP now to 774636 to get answers about pregnancy, birth control, emergency contraception, STDs, and abortion. And the Planned Parenthood chat slash text program is offered Monday through Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 1130 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Or you can also go to PregnancyLine.com for free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, and free STD testing. And you can contact them by calling 866-88-WOMAN. Or you can text LINE to 313131. And both of those are really great resources to get more information. Also, inform yourself whether you're experiencing this or you know somebody who is. Knowledge is power. And on that, I'm going to say that that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Cinema Chicks. You can follow us on Instagram at Cinema Chicks Podcast and on TikTok. And if you want to be friends, you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Daisy Rancourt. Or you can also follow me on Letterboxd. And my username on there is just Madeline Deasy. Or you can hit me up, give me a follow too on Instagram at Hope Johansson and check up on my letterbox at HJoha or HJOHA. Before we end, we'd like to thank today's sponsors HBO Cousins Max for who support all of the each content other. we're currently streaming. And movies shot on film by women.